myth, magic, medicine, and everything in between. Two doctors talking. Hello, and welcome again to Myth, Magic, Medicine. My guest today comes all the way originally from Siberia. <laughs> Oksana, I'm so sorry, I can't pronounce your name properly, but I do know that you originally trained in Siberia, worked for about a year, and then traveled through Europe and wound up in the United States, spent a little time in Rhode Island, and then went and took your residency in Hawaii. What a great place to do residency. So please pronounce your name properly for our viewers and listeners. And, uh, and then tell me, how did you find Hawaii after Siberia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Denise. Well, um, my name is Aksana Armonova. Um, this is the correct way to pronounce it. Um, yes, I had a long journey. Um, I was actually born in a little region called Tuva, which probably 90% of our audience have not heard about it. Mm -hmm. It's mostly known for throat singers. So, if, um, you know, it's a particular way of singing. And um, so it was at the border with Mongolia. Mm -hmm. And... I grew up in Siberia and I did my medical school in Siberia. And, you know, since I was a child, I was very intuitive and I could see things that other people could not perceive. Mm -hmm. And again, since I was a child, I was unconsciously healing everybody around me. So, and I was sick on my favorite holidays, like every year, I hardly remember celebrating my favorite holiday, which was New Year. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I realized that I was just killing everybody, right? So because holidays bring a lot of joy, but it's also and brings a lot of pain. So you feel that that was depleting your own energies? Mm -hmm. okay. Because I was so sensitive, I was absorbing other people's pain, other people's mm -hmm. emotions. Um, but I didn't know that. And so my mom was a physician. And I remember just making rounds with her since I was four years old. So I would make rounds with her in a hospital. And, and I just thought, oh, my God, um, I want to help people. I want to mm -hmm. heal people. And naturally for me, I went to medical school. So, and... While I was in medical school, which again, you know, in Siberia, it was like in the United States, it's very, uh, again, scientific based, right? Mm -hmm. But having those intuitive gifts and being a healer, after med school, after my lectures, I will go in a little clinic and do hands-on healing on people. Mm -hmm. So which was totally, you know, not what I was taught in med school. Did you, did you have any pushback or was that very much accepted in the community? You know, it, it wasn't, uh, back then it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that accepted. So, um, mm -hmm. I kind of kept it, um, you know, you, you didn't want the Dean of medicine hearing about it. Okay. Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> but you know, what was happening, um, people were getting better. So mm -hmm. I would just put my hands on, you know, whatever for 10 minutes the pain was going away, um, the chronic illnesses was getting better, and I would get home, uh, and I was just, you know, going straight to bed because I was so exhausted. And again, mm -hmm. back then, I didn't realize I was taking on, again, mm -hmm. all the pain and suffering. 
So that's not good for your studies, though, if you're going to bed <laughs> afterwards. I know, and including when I went to med school, med school in Siberia, in Siberian winter, when sometimes it was minus 40 Celsius, mm -hmm. and it would take And they're me, long, the winters in Siberia. Exactly, and it would take me at least two hours, sometimes three hours, to get to med school one way, and then mm -hmm. three hours back. So, um, you know, adding that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so... And then I went again, oh, another story, um, when I was in my medical training long, long time ago, I was doing uh, one of the rotations in rheumatology. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, this is so exciting. It's outpatient. I don't have to be, you know, waking up five o'clock in the morning. It's going to be mm -hmm. easy peasy. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> little did I know. So after a few days doing that, I just started feeling depressed. All mm. my joints were hurting. And, oh. I thought, okay. and I thought, oh my God, I'm like in my 20s, right? So what's wrong here? So, so you were sort of a, a, a really good version of medical student hypothesis hypochondriasis <laughs> no 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 it was not that so what was happening i was again because you know in rheumatology i see chronic pain right mm -hmm. autoimmune diseases a lot of depression and so again i was absorbing uh the all those patients pain emotions and i, I was not aware of it so and I took to the attending and I said, oh my God, you know, I feel awful. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, that's okay. I feel like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And she goes, why don't you take, start taking, like just take half a dose of antidepressant mm -hmm. and it will help you. But for me, I was going like, oh my God. If I start taking antidepressant now, what am I looking down the road? Yeah. What's going to happen 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years? So, and, you know, now there is a term for that, being an empath, or being an empathic person, which means you're sensitive. You're mm -hmm. sensitive to other people's energies, emotions, uh, pain, and this is what I was. But back then, it wasn't recognized, really. So how did you start medicine? How did you protect yourself from that? Because you practice now for 30 years total from med school through now. What, how, how do you protect yourself? Because otherwise, you, you'd been a, an exhausted mm -hmm. blob by now. Mm -hmm. So, and it, it took me on a journey to really um, start looking into it, right? And what's happening mm -hmm. when I interact with a patient? Um, and I tried different types of meditation. I, um, you know, I traveled to Nepal, I traveled to India, Bhutan, you know, all over the Europe. And so, and I recognized again, everything is energy, our emotions and is energy, our, um, thoughts, the vibrations, it's all energy and we all absorb in it. Yeah. You know, we, we all are kind of tuning in 
into other, you know, people, emotions and thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, and as physicians, we deal with pain and suffering, and you know that mm -hmm. on a daily basis. So, and again, how many professions out there who do that? Um, yes, nurses, and I, and I, I have deep respect um, and appreciation for nurses. So, and I don't know if, have you ever calculated how many patients you've seen in your... No, I, I probably should do that at some point, but um, I calculated once with another doctor how much, how much money we'd actually made in the time we've been in training, you know, once mm -hmm. we hit residency through the first two years of attending, and I think it was $2 an hour. That's what I did but I haven't calculated how many patients I saw. I used to see 60 a night when I worked night ER. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But it's single coverage. Uh, so, yeah. And I agree with you, you know, making $2 an hour, I probably would be the same with my numbers. <laughs> but, you know, when I thought about it and I start calculating, you know, just, okay, how many patients did I see, you know, during my shifts, how many years, med school, residency? And I calculated at least it was more than 30,000. I treated mm -hmm. more than 30,000 patients. Um, and so, and it just, for us to recognize it, because most physicians, they don't even think about it. It's just becoming norm. So you go in, you see your 20, 25 patients, um, and it's, it's normal. It's expected mm -hmm. of you. Mm -hmm. But if we really dive deeper and realize, oh my God, Again, 50,000 patients, 30,000, 100,000 patients over the span of medical career who are in survival, fear, pain. Yes, right? and, and also because a lot of people, I think, a lot of people are more empathic than they realize. Mm -hmm. But it is one of those, Chris, you've got to go and see somebody who's dying and deal with the energy of the people that are surrounding them. Their family members are also in pain watching this happen or whatever the illness is. And then you may have to go and talk to somebody with an ingrown toenail, and then you've got to go back out because there's mm -hmm. some, you know, this it's there is very little recovery time between mm -hmm. episodes, and I think that is what's so exhausting. Which is why it's so lovely to have a private practice hypnosis practice. Now I have big buffers in between mm -hmm. clients. I don't see seven people a day. I see one person, and then I have a big break. <laughs> I have another person, and which makes the recovery much faster. Because uh, truly, if I saw five people a day, I would be exhausted. Some of that is my advanced age, but, but, <laughs> but, you know, energy, no, work of any, of any, energy work of any kind is draining, mm -hmm. but when you even, even happiness can be draining, it's, <laughs> it, it can be energizing too. But, but if you're dealing with particularly ill people, do you do hospice work or what, what kind of clients do you, patients do you see usually these well, days? You know, when I was working as a hospitalist, I mean, it was ranging from, again, people in, I had to, um, you know, transition people to hospice and take care of them um, if mm -hmm. they were, you know, imminently dying while we were in a hospital. Um, and like you said, it's, yes, you see somebody who is dying or you go, you pronounce patient dead. You talk to the family, right? Where there's so much grief, there's so much pain. And then if I have 20 patients to see, 25 patients to see, I have to go to see next patient. And I have to put smile on my face mm -hmm. because 
I am going and I have to cheer this patient up, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it's day after day. So, and a lot of, um, I think, patients, they don't realize, I think they don't give enough oh, no. physicians how hard it is. But but also in fairness to the patient, when you're the patient, you, you become very, not really selfish. I mean, they're just yes. concentrating. They, mm -hmm. they don't realize there's 25 other people in an emergency room mm -hmm. or a floor of a hospital. It's just they see that. But when my mother was dying, she was in hospice when she died. Mm -hmm. And this is in the UK. Um, my father and my sisters and I were sitting around the bedside waiting and mm -hmm. basically keeping her company. And the nurses would every so often come in because she was, you know, obviously DNR, she's in hospice. Mm -hmm. We were expecting her to die. I didn't realize until a couple of days later when the obituaries came out and they stated where everybody had died, how many other people those nurses were dealing with, mm -hmm. with the same amount of pain going on mm -hmm. with the same kind of, at the same time. Mm -hmm. I was, I was completely oblivious, partly because the nurse, it was a nice big, area so the nurses were over this side and over this side and we have one mm -hmm. that was dedicated for us but it was also because we had tunnel vision <laughs> and it's understandable because they've got to use their energy to deal with their grief but mm -hmm. it it does mean that they don't realize that or they say strange things to you like i suppose it doesn't really affect you does it dear mm -hmm. while you go into the what we used to call the sluice but you, you go into the back room and cry your eyes out particularly if it was a child children are terribly yes, terribly yes. and i remember you know i mean my med school my residency and when i you know working as a hospitalist i mean how many times i cried when mm -hmm. you know somebody died and i just um, because it's always it's like okay what if right um and what if you know something would could be done differently what if this patient came earlier showed right. up early in emergency what if i was psychic and i realized they should have come in earlier from the waiting room into the yeah let's and yeah. you know i am an intuitive i was intuitive through you know years of my work but it's again and it's interesting you know how our health system is built in the united states where patients give so much responsibility for their well-being and health to the physicians mm-hmm and, and I mean, I literally heard that they would come in and they say, okay, you're the doctor, you fix, fix it, it. Mm -hmm. fix it. Right. So, and they didn't take responsibility for their diet, for their, um, you know, healthy habits. Um, so it was okay. You fix it. And, mm. and as physicians, again, especially when we are true healers, because I, I believe majority of us going to medical school because we want to help people yeah we want to heal people so and then we again we just put all our energy our hearts and souls and trying to help people trying to mm -hmm. help them to get better so and hopefully you know the system is going to change and i, I already see it's changing mm -hmm. um so so anyway my passion is really um helping physicians especially those who are sensitive um who, who let's say they call themselves empathic physician empaths those are so, the people who realize those are the people who realize that's happening exactly how many people are being impacted mm -hmm. who don't realize that's why they feel mm -hmm. so awful mm -hmm. exactly and that's so great we're having this conversation where people can go oh my god 
this is me. This has been mm -hmm. happening to me too. But especially when I was in training, nobody was talking about it. Mm -hmm. And it was almost also the training, you were supposed to feel your patient's pain in order to understand, I don't know how it was in your training, in order to understand what somebody is going through. Um, I mean, thanks God. <laughs> I mean, don't do it anymore as, I don't know, 500 years ago where you had to taste your patient's urine to determine. <laughs> yes, thankfully we have labs now. <laughs> what's going on with the patient. But um, yes, so, and a lot of physicians out there were not realizing, like you just said, we're picking up um, the patient's thoughts, pains, problems, because it's all energy. And what's happening when they do that, right? Day in and day out, you know, every day. So because it's not the energy, they can't process it. So it just mm -hmm. stays in your energy field. And then it starts manifesting as um, sometimes physical condition, sometimes, sure. again, um, it affects the emotions it starts affecting their personal life. Mm -hmm. So, and we, we don't realize it. So let's suppose I am, I am a, let's pretend I was practicing still. And I came in and said, admittedly, at my age, you'd say, well, then retire. <laughs> but, but suppose I came to you and said, I just don't enjoy medicine anymore. I just want to go home and cry every day. What would be the first thing you would suggest to me that I do other than retiring? Because well, we, can't, we can't all leave, right? We do need doctors. We do need some people to stay in the game. So what, what would you think would be the, the first thing to do other than taking a deep breath and giving yourself, you know, a forest bathing experience or something to try and clear some of that energy out? This is a great question, uh, Denise. And again, so I do intuitive healing. I do intuitive healing session, intuitive coaching um, mm -hmm. with my clients. So I really look intuitively to see what's going on with the person right mm -hmm. so um are they absorbing somebody's energies right um is it um they're absorbing what's going on in the world so i i really look what's underneath that because it could be different things mm -hmm. and then um i guide them through the healing process how to first of all how for, number one it's awareness mm -hmm. when you're aware of something you become, you know, the light bulb goes on and you go, oh, okay, this is what's happening. What do I do about it? Like what you were saying before, right? Because most of the physicians were not even aware of it. And so then I, um, again, I work with them, um, teaching them tools, how to maintain your energy, how to maintain your energetic boundaries. So it doesn't, so it's not keep, you know, happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so then, you know, I teach intuition and you know, other uh, workshops. And when people also realize that awareness is power, then again, that person is not going to beat yourself up because, oh my God, after seven days of 12 hour shifts on my day off, I can't get to my, you know, load of laundry. Yeah. So you start validating yourself. You start going like, okay, I am not able to do that because I just mm -hmm. saw, I don't know, 200 patients, whatever the number is. So, and then you start putting your well-being first. You start putting your well-being as a priority. 
and developing system that supports you. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is, asking, you know, having hired help, um, spending time in nature, cutting hours at work. So you start setting boundaries on different levels. And it's not, and sometimes when people come to me and they say, okay, teach me how to protect my energy, how to protect myself. And my first response is, it's not about protecting yourself. We are not trying to build walls, right? Mm -hmm. So between ourselves and the world or ourselves and the patients, because again, being an empath, being sensitive, it's also where it's uh, your intuition comes first, right? Mm -hmm. It's where you connected with the world, but it's learning how to use it for your advantage, right? learning how to harness that power of you being sensitive, you being intuitive. So, yes. And using it for your patients. Mm -hmm. how, how, how then would somebody who has, you know, got hired help so they don't have to worry about the laundry, they've got their, mm -hmm. you know, situation's cool, everything's fine, their marriage is intact, they've, they've managed to to protect their, their life as well as their professional life, if they wanted to enhance their sense of intuition and their empathy, how would you, do you help people to, uh, to grow that side of their, of their experience? Yes, absolutely. And as you were just saying, so, oh, I was going to finish, you know, so we're not building walls, but we're learning how to be in neutrality, how to be in compassion, Right? So instead of uh, going into sympathy where we kind of go down the rabbit hole with a patient, mm -hmm. so we have to be step, it's like as physicians, we are like lighthouses, right? So we have to help the patient to step up, bring their vibration up so that they can heal. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so... And I forgot what the question was. But, but just, just <laughs> pointing this out while you're saying this, in case there are any non-physicians working, you're not suggesting that you wouldn't send them to a cardiac cath lab. You're talking about doing that along with oh, standard medicine mm -hmm. because we want to practice integrative medicine. We want wholeness and wellness for people, right? Exactly. Absolutely. So, so long as we're on the same page. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, and again, I went through the whole journey um, did you know i did medical training for 10 years actually yeah 10 years um you know working as a hospitalist which is again very science-based um you know medicine and then when i through my spiritual journey i found myself between two worlds worlds so mm -hmm. one was spiritual people spirituality another one was physicians and my spiritual community were poo-pooing physicians and they were going like oh doctors we just want to make money right they're doing all these tests they um giving people all these medications and then of course physicians were going oh this is just all woo-woo stuff right about the spiritual people this is so, something in in my religion we are told that religion without science is superstition and science without religion is an abomination you have to have those two things exactly. together yeah exactly. and when i say religion i don't i don't necessarily mean organized religion i mean you have to have a spiritual basis to to listen to the soul the essence of the person mm -hmm. as well as just 
the mechanics of the body. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, over. So, <laughs> so I found myself in between those worlds and because it's almost like I felt I don't belong in this world fully. I don't belong in that world fully mm -hmm. too, right? And so I realized, okay, my mission, I'm bringing it together, like having both of it. So where, um, yes, in my sessions, I work with people to help them to heal on a soul level, to mm -hmm. bring everything to wholeness. And then, yes, okay, you, you have to have this procedure, like you said, go for cardiac cast or um, bypass surgery, whatever it is. So having it both, so it doesn't have to be either or. And it's so, um, I'm so delighted now to see more and more physicians who are becoming more open to spirituality, becoming mm -hmm. more awake and aware. Um, so I see it, in a, especially in the last couple of years, it's uh, changing tremendously. Mm -hmm. So, so I, there's a reason for the title for the podcast, Myth, Magic, Medicine, because mm -hmm. originally the original doctors were shamans and, and mm -hmm. wise women. And, that said, so, and then we, we kept at the Renaissance, we had science, but, but we don't want to lose that, that natural human connection mm -hmm. that we all have. Yes. Because this is, again, this is the key, right? Especially yeah. in this world right now, um, it's it's so important. So where you're not trying to isolate yourself, you're not right. trying to build walls. Um, how how do you? I had a few people when I when I was ill. I had a very sweet chaplain come in to talk to me because I just wanted somebody to talk to. I for a human connection. My uh -huh. family couldn't get in because we were having a big snowstorm. And, and she was terribly sweet. And she asked me if she could pray for me. And I said, absolutely, please. Mm -hmm. And she she probably <laughs> made me run, remember Chevy Chase and that. It was sort of, sorry, did one of these things like, like demon be gone thing. And she, she misread her audience. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, I realized she wasn't trying to be insulting or anything, but that wasn't the way I react. How do you, when you don't know somebody's background, when you don't know how they're going to receive the information, how do you modify how you interact with them whilst you're still using that intuition? Mm -hmm. This and is a great. Can you can you explain that? Because a lot of it, of course, is happening in the background, and you don't really necessarily think consciously when you're doing it. But mm -hmm. explain. please explain. <laughs> love you, love your question, Denise. Well, you know when um, I work with clients, so when they say their name, right? So when I, I do it remotely, so all my work. Um, I do remotely as a Zoom work phone. So when they tell me their name, I can see what's going on with them, right? So mm -hmm. I can see um, what's energies affecting them. I can see their um, soul path. Um, I can see what's going on again in their life. You know, so I see, I see the big picture mm -hmm. and I see um, really the big picture that what they might not be aware, right? What's going on. With them so they might think it's like okay this is what's going on but when i look at the truth it's like oh okay no this is let's stay step back this is what's going on mm -hmm. and so i always look at see uh, in in terms of what we're able to have right what what communication we're able to have so mm -hmm. it's where they in the spiritual journey the awareness so then i tailor my communication and um my intuitive healing work to where they're at so so i meet them where they're at 
Mm -hmm. um, so, and this is where, again, intuition uh, and being able to, uh, what's called clairvoyance. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm able to see, so what's what's going mm -hmm. on? Yes, so, but it's, it's, it's a great, you know, and about intuition, um, I teach, again, physicians how to develop intuition. And I had so many physicians come to me and they say, oh no, I am not intuitive. I don't have that. I don't have what you have. <laughs> they don't recognize it within themselves. But exactly. And I say, no, you just not recognizing. We all have it. So mm -hmm. it's just paying attention to it. Oh, it's developing, it's nurturing, it's validating it. Because, and you probably can relate through your years of practicing how many times, and again, the physicians I work with, when I ask them, like, oh, remember you made this decision. Where did it come mm -hmm. from? Yeah. And are we like, oh. So that's that's sort of, it's sometimes you walk into a room and you get a gestalt feeling about what's yes. going on rather, mm -hmm. than, mm -hmm. rather than, oh, this symptom here, this symptom here. Mm -hmm. You said something interesting, and this is a little bit of a tangent, maybe. You said, when I know their name. Is that necessarily the name that's on the birth certificate or, or is it the name they call themselves? Is there anything um, particular about that or the name they use as a child rather than their adult official, you know, Dr. So-and-so name? Can you talk to that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Well, so when people call me, I usually ask them for their original birth name, their full birth name. And then I ask them for the name they're using currently, right? So if I change mm -hmm. their name or they got married, so, because vibration sometimes shifts. So I ask both and okay. I get information from uh, the totality. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes. And again, I'm looking at the, um, where they are at, right? Who they are as a soul. And what I believe is all illnesses originate on a soul level. So it's when mm -hmm. something on a soul level, um, there is some disconnect or maybe there is some trauma, um, Whatever it is. So when it starts showing up in the physical, in the physical body, it's like yeah. last, 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 right? Like and I would agree. I agree with you, except mm -hmm. it also matches what you're eating, <laughs> what, how much sleep you're getting. All of these things have to work together. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's why, again, addressing it on so many uh, multitudes of level, right? So like you said, mm -hmm. health, diet, um, your sleep pattern your thoughts and looking, okay, what's going on uh, with your emotions, what's going on with you as a soul. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it's bringing everything to wholeness. So yeah. this is what I see. The true healing is it's bringing to wholeness. It's wonderful. I am so glad you agreed to come on and talk to me yes. about this. I've been it's intrigued for a year since we first met. So thank you thank so you. much. It was very, very kind of you. Um, I do want to make sure that people check out the show notes because there will be information on how to reach Oksana and learn more from her. Perhaps you want to develop your own intuition or maybe you want to heal some of, of your own pain. So. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Denise. Thank you for joining us at Myth Magic Medicine. If you have found this episode useful, you can apply for free CME credit through the link provided in the transcript. If you're not a medical professional, please remember, while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.